A word of warning. What follows includes harrowing testimony and graphic descriptions of human rights violations. The Truth Commission's first public amnesty hearing was held in the relatively obscure village of Pukeng near Rustenburg in May 1996. The applicants were two convicts serving time for murdering Gladmo Khatle on the 29th of December 1990. They were 35-year-old Boy Diale and 53-year-old Christopher Machale. Their amnesty hearing revealed a dramatic story layered with subtext about a killing, a tribe, resources and ultimately power. But it also introduced a new scene in the Truth Commission play, with different actors and different lines. Anki Samuel, Andri Satere and Angie Kapelianis report. Soldiers block the main road to Puking, the place of Dew, the ancestral home of the Bafukeng tribe. Razor wire hugs the civic centre, the venue of the world's first public amnesty hearing and the tribe's seat of power. The hearing is running late. Where should the amnesty applicant sit? On the stage with the three judges? Next to the victims whose father they killed? Or in the audience among free citizens? The applicants are finally propped on the stage. Are you prepared to take the oath in this matter? Interpret that to him, please. Hassan Moore. Has he said yes? Yes, I'm prepared to take an oath. Will you please raise your, raise your right hand and swear that the evidence you're about to give to this commission will be the truth, nothing but the truth, and say, so help me God. Boy, Diale. So help me God. Thank you. You may be seated. Boy, Diale's story begins in 1977 when Bupu became independent from South Africa and Lucas Mangope was appointed president. Human rights lawyer Brian Karen asks Diale to explain why he killed Led Mokhatle. Our aim in Ele Hore Our aim was actually to hold Mr. Mokhale hostage so that Mr. Mangope can realize that we were serious about our demand. We wanted our chief to come back home. And a state of emergency. And we wanted the state of emergency to be eradicated. And we wanted the Buputatswana government to be dismantled. Because it was oppressing the people. Bafukeng chief Edward Lebone Moletleche flees to Botswana in March 1988 after being released from detention without trial. His crime? He publicly opposes Buputatswana's independence. Because it entails the transfer of his tribe's platinum-rich land, mineral rights and royalties to Mangope. Brian Curran recalls Mangope's sentiments about the tribe. Bupudetswana is like a prickly pear. Very strong, tasty, but it is also dangerous. I warn you strongly not to abuse me. I am not your dustbin. Do not play games with me. If you do, I will prick and pierce you like the prickly pear. Mangope is true to his weight. He systematically replaces legitimate chiefs. 
he unilaterally appoints Let Mokhatle to manage the tribe and to look after the keys to the Bafukan Civic Center, the tribe's seat and symbol of power. Enter the Piri, Bafukan men between the ages of 18 and 65. They meet at the Roman Catholic Church on the 29th of December 1990. The Piri then drive to Chaning where they find 83-year-old Glad Mkhatle, Panga in hand. When he puts up a fight, they hit him hard, shove him into the combi and drive off. In the felt between Luca and Roikralspreit, Glad Mkhatle is thrown onto the ground and assaulted. Boy Diali says he hit the old man with his fists and shoes. But this isn't good enough for Amnesty Committee Judge Bernard Nguepe. Just what part did you personally play? How did you assault him? What did you do? We need to know that. I kicked him. And I, I hit him with my fists and I strangled his neck. That's the part I took in the killing. Amnesty Corps applicant Christopher Makhale continues the story. I had a look at Mr. Mokhatle and I could see that he was still alive. I, I took the sable the, the, the from him and I chopped him. I chopped him personally. I chopped him because I realized that we were heading for the prison. I wanted to sweep away the evidence. I didn't want anybody to know or to have any light that Mr. Mahale was here. We, we, we went into the kumbi and we drove off. Christopher Makhale attends a funeral vigil and says absolutely nothing to his wife about killing the man he regarded as Mangope's lackey. Is this today the first time that you've publicly admitted your active participation? This is my first time, sir. Listening to these admissions in the audience are the sons of Lat Makhale. We have forgiven them as a family, says Aaron Makhale. But it is his brother, Charles, who desperately seeks forgiveness and reconciliation. Please, my people, he begs. I am a child of the Bafukan tribe and obey the rules of the chief. With these words, the Mukhatle sons are welcomed back into the fold of the tribe. The amnesty hearings end. Three months pass. Christopher Makhale and Boediale learn of their fate on radio on the 29th of August, 1996, amnesty granted. They are satisfied that uh, the uh, evidence overwhelmingly indicates that the offence was committed with a political objective. But the amnesty committee fails to inform prison commander Fani Stander of its decision. I haven't received any documentation yet, but I believe there was something in the news about it. I'll have to confirm that with the Truth Commission before I accept it as a truth and free these men. So Boediale and Christopher Makhale spent another night in jail as free men whose criminal slates have been erased officially. <laughs> 